Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon, this is your host, Anthony Chen, with Family Business Radio. We are finally back in person in the studio today, so if you're hearing some kind of audio difference and improvement... That's why. Uh, we have three great guests here today to kind of start us off with our show. We have Dana with High Talent Acquisition Firm. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thanks for having me. Right. So Dana, kind of share with us a story as to how you founded Hive and why the name Hive. Yeah, absolutely. Great story there. So my business partner, Veronica Jenkins, and I founded Hive in 2017. Uh, prior to that, having both significant 15-plus uh, year uh, careers in human resources and recruiting and met when we were working with each other on the same team at a merchant services company, large, uh, international. We'll, we'll leave it at that, right? And we honestly knew we could do it better. We could bring the human back to human resources. Like it made sense to us. So it was the perfect timing in both our lives. Veronica was in the shower with a honey body wash and was like, hive, we're queen bees. It's hive. I was like, let's go with that. The, the vibe is good there. And that's how we came to be. Mm. I like how you ended that uh, sentence with came to be. Yeah. You like hive. that? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing accidental there. All right. So what was the kind of the defining moment? Was it kind of a, a, a gradual realization that you both came together as a, Hey, we could do better. Or was it just like one event that just made, Hey, this made sense right now. That's a really great question. I would say separately from each other, we both realized the human aspects of HR and the recruiting processes were really leaving candidates ghosted. We're really leaving clients without knowledge. And we were just like, no, like that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And and we really came together on that and have grown our team and have trained our, our staff from that perspective, I would say understanding why we are who we are and making that difference, uh, closing the loop, bubbling things up that need to get bubbled up, things like that. Mm -hmm. So using the, hearing the term ghost, I'd never heard of that until maybe five, six years ago, especially kind of in the HR or, or the recruitment space. Um, has this been more of a, a recent trend or has it, has it always been going on and we're just only realizing now because more people are talking about yeah, it? Yeah, no, that's also a good question because more people talking about it and technology has certainly gotten us to a point where it makes it easier to ghost people, I would say. Um, and the term, I guess, getting popular is probably you know generational. I don't want to blame it on anyone generation by any means but mm -hmm. i would say that term in human resources and in recruiting processes has definitely become uh unfavorable though more popular over the last five years so when you're talking about uh ghosting and trying to do better what what's kind of the unique things that you do at hive that makes it significantly much more different yeah. uh, than other hr recruiting services absolutely so i train all of my staff in fact my senior recruiter training her staff knows everybody follows through Every circle is closed, right? Every loop, nothing is left unturned, right? Even if you have bad news, bad news gets reported. It's all about tone. It's all about presentation. You, you make people feel like they deserve to be felt. You know, they, mm. they, they deserve to feel and have the, the knowledge and the closure, if you will. This is sort of like relationships. You're walking down the aisle in an interview process and you're trying to get married, AKA get that job offer, get it signed, you know? Mm. If something goes wrong along the way and it's not meant to be, okay, fine. But people want that closure regardless. And mm -hmm. that's why we've taken it to the next level. Do you find those who are hearing the news, whether it's, well, let's just go on, on the other side, if it's bad news, but at least the circle is closed. 
Or do you, you appreciate it? So surprised how many people tell us, well, I don't like the news, but at least you gave it to me. There are hundreds of recruiters I've spoken to or hundreds of companies who just never got back to me, mm-hmm. even sometimes in the middle of an interview process or where you would think there should be some closure, right? I've been waiting to hear from you for six weeks. Like, am I even a viable candidate in this opportunity at this point? You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's just not okay. That's rude. Yeah. And quite frankly, if it happened to them, they'd absolutely hundred percent feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Now, is that been a standard or norm or, or has it just been kind of recent because there's so many candidates? I would definitely say that's standard, unfortunately. I would say that the way that Hive handles that process is definitely different in a positive way. We make sure you know where you stand in the process. You have very little control, not to give recruiting and, and human resources tactics away, but you have very little control in an interview process, right? So many things can go awry because everybody's going to do what's best for themselves. In the end, everybody lies. It's just human nature. So to to gain control on what little you have in that process, from a recruiting standpoint is to be over communicative, right? To help people understand where they are in the process, to make sure you've got those very important key relationships, right? We differentiate ourselves because we only work with small to medium-sized business owners and hiring managers who understand their responsibility in the, on their side of our relationship. That is very important. So getting to your work with small and medium-sized businesses, how do you kind of pick out the businesses? Do you kind of interview them as well to make sure they're a good match with kind of your corporate philosophy? Interesting. So we do have a specialty as well. It's very important to, to have a specialty of some sort, something to focus in on. We do have specialty in the transportation engineering arena. Um, that is uh, infrastructure, civil engineers, environmental engineers, geotech engineer type backgrounds. But um In order to find out if someone is a good fit from a small to medium-sized firm perspective, we have a human resources and recruiting checklist that we run through. We see what they have and don't have already in place, and we determine from there if we are going to be a good fit for them, Mm -hmm. right? So what made you kind of pick down the path of all these analytics from engineers to to logistics? (laughs) Just fell into that one accidentally. I guess I should give a shameless plug to my husband who uh, is probably listening right now and say thanks for getting us accidentally into your industry. (laughs) He's a fancy schmancy project manager with a fancy schmancy firm uh, here in the greater metro Atlanta area and said to me and my business partner that what you guys do is so different than anything I've ever experienced from my side, being the candidate, right? And being recruited on LinkedIn and getting phone calls and emails, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he said, you guys can spend 15, 20 minutes on the phone with someone and find out, you know, who they really are as a person, right? What they really want, what their needs, wants, desires are. And you can change their lives personally, professionally, and financially and become their best friends. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is very different than what the transportation engineering industry is used to. Mm -hmm. So it's bringing the human element, not just to human resources, but the analytic the <laughs> fields of engineering well. yeah. and logistics. Yeah. Okay. So kind of share with us, uh, what you, you touched a little bit about um, doing civil engineering work. Um, what is kind of your exposure or experience on the large governmental projects or uh, in general national exposure in that regard? Yeah, we're super proud of all of our NAICS codes. We are Black-owned, woman-owned, minority-owned, a DBE, mm. which stands for Disadvantaged Business Entity, and a government contractor. From the government contracting side, we also help um, DBEs and other small firms understand the the work involved in that, the time commitment, et cetera, the process associated Um, So we do consult on that side as well. But from our side of government contracting, 
it's whatever those needs are out there. Like I said, being black owned, being woman owned, being minority owned. We also have um, the um, the DBE uh, certification, but we also have a veteran recruiter on board, and that helps a lot as well with veteran opportunities. We're just trying to spread ourselves as as widely with that footprint as we possibly can to make sure that we help as many people as we can. That's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Kind of exploring a little bit more into uh, the future of other businesses. Um, we haven't touched on this yet, but the uh, intern programs. Why is this so important for the future of any company? We have a great intern program with a curriculum. where We are called the Swarm Society, right? Sticking with the whole hive and bees and all that good stuff. Mm. Um, and it is run, fun story, by um, my senior recruiter, who's also our lead campus recruiter, who actually built and the program and the curriculum associated so shameless prog, I'll say her name, Caroline Chamberlain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our sweet Caroline is um, came to us um, through networking, um, looking for a summer internship several years ago while she was still at Oglethorpe University. Go Stormy Petrels. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, she had mentioned to us that the internships she'd had in human resources were not necessarily ideal and gave us literally what she was looking for. And we said, you know, you should write that into your own curriculum and let's see if we can't live it. And we did. And she graduated here, my air quotes over the mic, right? (laughs) Graduated from her own curriculum and we actually marketed it. She business developed it out and she has her own set of phenomenal clients who she works with who have a valid interest in wanting their intern to become part of their future workforce. And so we realized this is what makes us different. Mm-hmm. We only work with interns who legitimately want a job out of their internship. Obviously, you know, we just went through a pandemic, you know, barring unusual activity. This is something we don't guarantee, but it is a high percentage. We have an 87% percentage with our intern clients hiring our interns, which is pretty huge. Mm-hmm. So we're very proud of that. Wow. So you also develop, if I'm understanding correctly, the intern programs for other companies that is correct. as part of their recruitment tool. Yes. We have several different ones. We actually have a couple large clients like multi, you know, international style type clients who out of Atlanta, out of Los Angeles and out of, I want to say like Washington somewhere, but I can't remember, have offices where they hire 35 to 55 interns a semester, including summer. And from that, they end up hiring at least one to five of those interns. And every semester, Caroline is getting these interns into this program and getting them hired, I shouldn't say hired, getting them onboarded into these intern programs and giving them these opportunities. And I shouldn't say giving them, they are doing this themselves. This is truly something that they are earning on their own. Mm. Now, Caroline, you you mentioned she noticed that there's a a significant gap Mm. in in the services needed or something that's just missing kind of the traditional intern programs out there. Um, don't, don't want to have you put you on the spot and speak on her behalf, but what was something that you and, and she kind of saw that's missing in the market out there that you both are able to kind of fill in the niche in? Yeah, Caroline and Veronica and I really did see the fact that not having a specific curriculum that was project-based for these interns, right? It's not your cousins, boyfriends, nephews, dogs, uncles, you know, friend, right. That's just getting you coffee. Like we are Mm. legitimately trying to help people gain real world experience and exposure through these internships. Um, And through that, we realized they needed structure. And so that's where that all came into play. Mm. So as as part of your services, you kind of create a curriculum and structure for the business for 
both the intern to actually learn something from that and also from the business kind of tests whether or not this intern is going to cut it. In, that in is correct. Way. That is a, a great way of looking at it, Anthony, yes. Right. It almost sounds like a, a, a grooming kind of camp for for people who are more sports inclined. Yeah. If you want to think about it from like a farmer feeder perspective, yeah. that's uh-huh. exactly what it is, right? Think if, if you're Braves fans out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think uh, think minor league, right? Farm, farm system. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, then what's uh, one key advice that you would uh, share with firms out there that are just having a really rough go at it, at either recruiting or maybe even just retaining their, their current employees? I would say give us a call. Let's have a free consultation, right, on whatever the issue or issues may be. We'll talk it out. We'll determine if there's a budget for it that we can go for. We are not looking for one-off relationships. We are definitely looking for long-term. We want to be able to supply and support, you know, for years to come um, from that perspective and get you prepared for when you're ready to let us go and hire that human resources person finally in-house, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing. So what's the best way that someone who's maybe having those struggles, how can they best find you and reach you? Yeah, you can definitely find me, Dana, D-A-N-A, at hivetaff.com. So that's H-I-V-E, T as in Tom, A as in Apple, F as in Frank.com, Dana at hivetaff.com. We also have a website, super website, www.hivetaff.com. So that's H-I-V-E. TAF.com, and you can find us on all your social media as well at HiveTaf. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Our next guest, Bianca. Bianca Arena with Sucentrix Business Advisors of Gwinnett. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for uh, having me here today. Right. So, kind of share with us uh, your origin stories. What inspired you to start your business of Sucentrix? Well, I started my career in the corporation uh, in Fortune 500 comp- companies. And I started as a cost accounting manager, actually, right out of school, and moved up through several years of of grooming in in the corporate world. Um, I ended up being senior finance, uh, senior director of finance, uh, corporate controller. I worked for um, one particular company in in South Carolina. It's um, uh, tier one. Uh, com- uh, supplier of BMW. Uh, this company was uh, just losing. I was a controller, losing a lot of money on a, a specific um, contract. So we turned that that around from a uh, losing contract to a very profitable one. So that gave that was towards the middle of my career, and so that gave me a. It was boot camp, is what I call it. Uh, but I learned a lot about how to how to manage a turnaround for either, you know, big businesses was a $500 million uh, project. Um, but towards the end of my career and before I, uh, what I said was I sort of retired, semi-retired, I saw the need for those kind of tools in the for the small and medium-sized businesses. As much as I um, visited a couple of uh, small business owners and chamber of commerce, I learned that most businesses just see their numbers at the end of the year before they have to pay Uncle Sam. Mm-hmm. They don't see um, they don't see their their revenue monthly. They don't see their profits monthly. They just and, and some want to see it just not being provided to them. Mm-hmm. So I said. I know all the tools that it takes to run a profitable business. And in fact, 
turn around a business. Um, so in 2019, um, I bought a franchise, Eccentrics, and I became part of the uh, accounting world for small and medium-sized businesses. Well, soon after that, then we have the COVID um, pandemic that really devastated a lot of businesses. It gave me a good opportunity to work with these small business owners to turn a lot of the businesses around. Mm -hmm. So most of my clients today, a great percentage of them, are doing better than before the the, the pandemic. Um, some came very just kind of limping along. Uh, some just wanted to see, hey, wh where do I go from here? Um, I have never seen my, my profitability. I don't know what that is. So when I say tools, um, I came from the corporate world with t tools such as cost containment, lean manuf lean not just manufacturing, but lean processes in accounting and any part of the business. Um, and also cash cash management. It's it was very, very important through all through that that era because as you your revenue went down, actually your cost needs to go down depending on the market. But that gave very little left for the business, because there's some businesses that have fixed ass, fixed uh, cost. Mm -hmm. With uh, with that in mind, I learned uh, in my days in corporate that there is no such thing as fixed cost. <laughs> so we did that. Um, we started digging into this fixed cost. We left the true fixed cost uh, alone, but we started working on the on the ones that we the low hanging fruits, but not but also to dig into the the real issue of the cost. Um, and this is how we helped our, our clients uh, turn around and, and move forward. Like I said, a high percentage of our clients right now are doing much better than, than before the pandemic. Well, that's um, great to hear. So kind of share with us, uh, what are the common themes that you see uh, as someone's coming to you with an issue, um, some major mistakes that are very common that could immediately improve their profitability? Yes. Um, well, first of all, we are very proactive. So that's the first thing I look at when I see, when I have a, a consultation, a free consultation with uh, future clients. Um, and so we look at how much, where we're going to land uh, in six months, where we're going to land at the end of the year, and how much you're going to be paying Uncle Sam. Let's reduce that today in July uh, or, or in September. Before before you you have the um, December uh, tax tax bill, um, so those are the kind of things that they come to me with. I have no clue where we are. Um, many I've been asking for this. I can't have. It, I can't get it. But what I think my clients or or my potential clients um, are are drawn to us. It's because we do forecasting. The, the being proactive is knowing where you're going to land. Um, to have knowledge of your business in such a way that you know how you know you know how the future is going to be in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. uh, have a lot of experience in that in that in in that process. So this is how we help uh, our clients. 
Now you mentioned a little bit on the cash flow uh, scenario. Well, I mean, cash flow is the lifeblood of any business. How do you also help improve upon that for the business? Yes, uh, cash is key, right? That's uh, that's the, the the blood of every every business, and not knowing how much your profit is 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 a disaster with cash flow. Um, so we start by teaching our clients to learn what the cash flow cycle is. So from the time they they buy the goods to the time they sell the goods and collect the money, that's the the cash flow cycle. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we we uh, we see what's delaying that process. Is it inventory? Too much inventory on hand? Um, is it service? If it's service oriented, do we need to um, implement a new process so that this doesn't take 30 days, but it takes 15 days or, so, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the first thing that we do. We also urge our customers um, to pay on time and reduce any kind of penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, to turn inventory quickly, obviously, you need to manage your inventory, your inventory levels. Um, negotiating with vendors is a is another good thing, um, and and just sometimes some of our clients need to do uh, customer uh, invoice financing. I, I guess I had need to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the cash. They they. I guess the the, the that's the idea behind putting on uh, or getting a healthy cash flow on your balance sheet. Uh, and because when you have cash, you can invest better. So kind of share with us uh, with all these new, I guess, call it um, resources being helped out due to COVID uh, from the government. Can you share with us what does the uh, American Rescue Plan help in terms of the small business cash flow uh, or just in general help for the small business community? Yes, the the American Rescue Plan has been great for small businesses. Right now, obviously, the the uh, PPP, the second draw of the PPP, is over as of May thirty first. But then there's still grants for restaurants and um, not just restaurants, but every every uh, food related uh, sales. Uh, also, beauty salons. Anybody that was practically shut down during the pandemic and it's done and, and they're getting they're very slow getting back up. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other grants to target low income communities. Um, and there's, off, uh, there's also um, a very generous tax credit uh, with respect to payroll tax for when you um, retain an employee. Mm-hmm. So there's many things. And obviously every small business owner needs to check with uh, the appropriate person and knows all the details because, as you know, there's 10,000 pages on each one of these bills. And and so our headquarters goes through that that bill with a fine-tooth comb. We do take some of the... The, the, the highlights in to help our clients mm-hmm. generate more cash. So it sounds like uh, your firm is not just doing tax preparation, but as you say, you do a lot of 
foresight and forecasting, uh, helping guide the clients uh, in terms of avoiding any potholes that, along the way rather than kind of stepping into it right. uh, at the later end of the year. Uh, also managing the cash flow and also keeping up to date on the legal things coming down the pipeline. Um, for someone that's just kind of new with this and, and looking for advice and they want to have more of a relationship rather than just a tax preparer, um, what's the f- biggest, uh, I guess, mistake or, or issues they would be coming to you with? Um, profitability, I think, is one of them. Um, and so, as you know, there's several aspects of the profitability. You start with the top line, which is the revenue. Mm-hmm. For the most part, improving your, your top line, your revenue is good, but you need to have control of your cost. I've seen businesses that have improved on the top line, improved sales, mm-hmm. making less money on the bottom line. Because more revenue, there's just you're prone to just put more cost, much more variable cost into the picture, mm-hmm. and the results are not good. So we always say let's let's control cost lined up to the market. So if if your revenue is going up, great, but let's keep the cost at a level where you continue you. You improve your margins because there's certain things that are already being absorbed. It's a little bit in depth. Um, I, like I said before, I started in cost accounting, so cost is my thing. Uh, but we have a, a team, a very knowledgeable team in in our company, uh, and they uh, they are specialized in taxation and in marketing. Uh, turnaround, business turnaround, and and we also have bookkeepers. So we, we have a very comprehensive um, accounting service so that it goes from, from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. Great. So for someone that is looking for some help on not just tax preparation, but some advice and looking at the big picture, especially looking for help on turnaround, how can they best find you? Well, uh, again, our company is Eccentrics Business Advisors of Gwinnett. We're located in, in Lawrenceville, 1755 North Brown Road. Um, we also have a, a website, www.succentricsgwinnett.com. Succentrics is S-U-C-C-E-N-T-R-I-X, gwinnett.com. Um, my uh, email address is bianca.rainer at com, and I'll be uh, I'll be very happy to to speak to anyone that just needs an hour of free advice. Well, thank you. All right. So our next guest, we have Douglas with Indie Green Festival. Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Right. So kind of share with us your origin story as to how you got started with uh, opening up your firm and the festivals. Um, so basically with the Indie Green Festival, I started honestly about 10 years ago, uh, my first event or first, um, uh, I guess foundation to, to start doing events was back in, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, where I did an event for the city of Birmingham and it was called the, uh, Black Heritage Extravaganza. And basically what made me want to, want to bring that festival or that event together was there wasn't really many events or festivals that brings the entire culture of 
of just the, uh, you know, urban or the black culture together into one event. So I basically want to bring everything that we had to offer, everything that we were basically giving to the world into one event so everyone can experience that in one spot at one time at one place. And that was when I came up with the Black Characters Extravaganza. And during that time, um, I had submitted some papers because I'm, I'm an unorthodox entrepreneur, which a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they, they go to business school, they learn a certain model or a certain method, and they try to apply that method to their lifestyle or their way of thinking or their way of doing things. And that's just like trying to teach all the same kids the same thing the same way. It just doesn't work because we all think different. We all are different. Some people are auditory learners, so it's a different way of thinking and different way of learning. So I feel like business school just isn't for everyone, and sometimes you just have to take your idea and you just have to do it. You just have to implement and say, this is how I think it could work, because what a lot of people don't know is if it's if you can think about it, it can be done. It, it's manageable. It, you can make it happen. So I take Chick-fil-A, for example, how they took the owner-operated model and really just took it to the next level. Because before then, there was franchises. So everyone would franchise a business. They would take a model, and they would basically just say, okay, this model works. We're going to be – it's like a franchise. They took franchise model and just franchised that model, you know, and there was no creativity there. Everyone figured, okay, this works. We don't need an, another model because this works. But for me, I I think entrepreneurs should, should look at businesses as this is my business. I can create a different type of model that may work for me, that may work for my product. It doesn't have to be the same way that you ran your business because my bit, my product is different. My way of thinking is different. So when Chick-fil-A came out with the, with the owner operated model, well, you don't necessarily own the location, but you operate that location. And they, I think they take applications. So you have to submit an application Mm -hmm. to to Chick-fil-A, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on this. I think this is correct, you guys. But that model changed the way I looked at business because I said, wow, if Chick-fil-A can create their own model and be highly successful, why can't I? So with with doing that, I um, the Black Heritage Extravaganza, I said, okay. I'm different than everyone. I don't want to do an event like everyone does an event. So how can I reach the most amount of people? That was my first way of thinking. And I want small business owners to think like this. So everyone who's who has an idea, who's an entrepreneur, who's a small business owner or even a big business owner or even an investor. I'm a big fan of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, as y'all can tell. So you can see I, I dropped that in on a couple of jewels for you guys. Um, but basically... With with doing that, I want everyone to be be unique and be creative in creating your business model because no one knows your idea like you do. And if you decide to just have an idea and try to fit it to someone else's model, that's like trying to fit a triangle into a circle hole. It it, it it's not gonna go. So create your own model and 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 from that, I, I think you're a florist. I think you'll be able to to see what your calling is, and you'll be able to live your purpose. And with that being said, that's what made me create the uh, Black Character Extravaganza. So I said, how can I reach the most amount of people, and who has the biggest influence? So when you think of influence, you think of influencers, you think of TikTok, you think of Instagram, you think of Facebook, you think of businesses, you think of uh, entertainers. So. As a small business, you have to think like you have to think like this. First, you have to have a budget. 
to, to figure out how you're going to market your product because you have to market your product. You have to market your service or get out there somehow. So how do I get out there with the least amount of revenue or um, capital or money, so to speak in layman's term, how do I get my business seen by the most people for the least amount of money? That's it. So what I did was I said, okay, I can do a newspaper article. I could go um, on actual news. I can get an entertainer to talk about my event, but I thought different. I said, okay, I'm, I'm I'm in a city. The city hosts events all the time. So what I did was I went to city hall. I went to the city council meeting. Most young people don't go to city council meeting anymore. When you go to city council meeting, you don't see no young people, especially no young black people. I'm like, dang, there's no, I'm like, I'm like this is like, what's going on? And And most young people don't know. This affects the small businesses because these this level affects your everyday life. This is the most important. These are the meetings you need to be going to are these city council meetings. So what I did was I said, okay, how can I be different? So I went to city council meeting, spoke in front of the city. And from that point, I connected with the mayor, the city councilman, the fire chief, the, the, uh, the captain of the police department. And I told them who I was. I shared my business with them, asked them, are there any, uh, is there any room or any ideas or any, uh, I'm to, any uh, business ventures that I could, or, or anything dealing with the city that I can partake in, you know, so to speak. So the city works with a lot of different businesses, um, nonprofits and things like that. So I wanted to be a part of that, just that loop, just get in that loop. So I went there and little behold, the city loved the idea so much. They literally gave me the Bawa Auditorium free of charge. They gave me all the policemen I needed. They gave me permit because it's not, it wasn't just a win for me just to do an event. It was a win for the city, for the community. You, you also, you bring people together for a, a, a community event, a um, family fun event. It, it, it helps the environment of the city. And also it generates revenue because you have small businesses that that's able to make some type of money off of it. You have the city that makes money off the sales taxes. And on the big business side, if you look at the back business, you got people that's going to come in the city, drive crazy, get tickets. So the police make money. You know, <laughs> so, Everybody's so, making money. Everybody makes money. So it's a win-win for the entire city and myself included. You know, the mayor looks good because he put it on. So now people are like, oh, the mayor looks awesome for bringing this to the city. So that's kind of how I got started. I know that was so long-winded, but I hope you guys took those jewels because I dropped some good gems in there for you guys. But that's how I got started. Right. So what was there some kind of major event that made you think in terms of hosting that particular event? Because you mentioned you realized there was really no um, black cultural event that kind of drew everyone together at that particular city. Wow. It's so crazy. Um, Anthony, I, I, I don't really I can't recall. This was like 2011. I don't know what the influence was, but, you know, sometimes you just do things in life and you're not sure what it is. But the universe just say, hey. It just it just pops on you. It just it just comes in your spirit, and I think you're the person that's called to do that particular thing. So I just think some people get that that intuition to just say, "Hey, this would be cool," and you just say, "Okay, let me try it," and it it works. All right. So where are you now? Are you hosting similar kind of festivals and events uh, at other cities? Yeah. So currently, um, so as the owner of the Indie Green Festival, basically, um. I, I've hosted four Indie Green Festivals, one with the city of Duluth, one with the city of Ra um, the city of Norcross, 
the city of Atlanta and the city of East Point. Um, so all of my festivals, we average about 3,000 people. We average about 30 to 40 vendors, food vendors, small um, business vendors, boutique vendors, artisan vendors, um, handcraft like made jewelry, uh, purses, uh, clothes, you name it. So basically I bring all these vendors on, give them an opportunity to present themselves to um, the world, you know, the city of Atlanta. And the next event I'm bringing to the city, it's never been done before. It's, it's the concept is so unique and so dope. And I'm so excited to bring it because no one have ever seen anything like this before. And again, this is what, this is what makes a business owner and entrepreneur so special because if you're listening to this, I'm going to tell y'all another jewel, another gem. And this is something I teach my son because this is going to separate you. And once you know this, you can't go back. So here we go. There's two people in this world. There's consumers and there's creators. So either you're going to be a creator and you can create wealth or you can be a consumer and you can consume wealth. So you have to choose which one you're going to be. Remember the two C's. Am I a consumer? Do I just consume? Or do I create? And once you become a creator, you start to create life. You start to create wealth. You start to create businesses. You start to create energy. You start to create revenue. You start to create happiness. So I just want you guys to understand the difference between being a creator and being a consumer. Um, yeah, I kind of got off on that. Let me uh, let me flip back, you guys. So basically with the... Uh, what I'm starting is the uh, Carrier on Water Walk. So the Carrier on Water Walk is so unique. I, I took the idea because this guy had, um, I, I think I was like going, th- yeah, I was going through some, man, just straight up, y'all. I was going through some stuff in my life, man, like just personal stuff, relationship stuff, man. Everybody been there. You know how I get, you just like, dang, man, life is just like, it, and it wasn't even a financial thing because it, it was more just about the heart, you know, like that shit. It was, excuse me, it was just heavy. It was so heavy on me. And this guy told me, he said, um, there's an African proverb that says, once you carry your own water, you learn the value of every drop. And when he told me that, man, look, I'm getting chills right now, you guys, because, because when he told me that, when he told me that, um, once you learn the value of, um, once you carry on water, you learn the value of every drop. I looked at all my troubles and I looked at the stuff that I was going through. And I said, man, once I, once I learn how to carry this, once I get past this, oh man, I'm gonna be unstoppable. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be like at the top of the top. And it, and it teaches you that, that quote, it resonated with me that no matter your troubles, once you learn to carry your troubles and, and, and not just be a victim of what happened to you and get over it, Shoot, man, nothing can stop you, baby. Nothing can stop you. It doesn't matter who it is or what they say. So with that with that African proverb, I created the Carry Your Own Water Walk. So with the Carry Your Own Water Walk, I basically I'm going to choose five nonprofits. These nonprofits get to choose uh, whoever basically have the most uh, runners or walkers. So you can walk or run. It's a 3K. Whoever have the most participants to sign up gets gets the most percentage donated to their nonprofit. Now, how the donation work is, everyone that signs up can either walk or run, but you have to have at least a bottle of water in your hand. At least. You can go with a small bottle. You can go with a gallon. Whatever you feel comfortable, whether you're walking, crawling, riding, whatever, we don't mind. We want you to get out there and do it for yourself. 
for the first part. The first part is uh, the the focus. The focus of the festival is mental health awareness, self care, healthy living, and just believing in yourself and understanding that you are the power of your own destiny. So that's that's the focus of the festival. So what it is is once you start the festival, you'll have a water. You'll have water. And you basically get to walk or run in that festival. And at the end of the race, however much water you don't consume, we're basically going to have a bucket, like a sanitized bucket, that everyone will be able to dump whatever water they don't consume into that bucket. So as we start to hit markers on that bucket, we start to donate more and more money. So the idea of it is you're, you're doing the race, you're sweating, you're tired, but in your head you're thinking, the water that I don't drink it's going to be money for a kid or or a parent or someone in an abusive relationship to help them get out of their situation or homeless or anything. So you're you're exercising, you're thinking about things mentally. You're you're clearing yourself out. You're getting space. You're getting air. You're getting sun. You're also donating to a cause. So that's the great idea behind the carry on carry on water walk. On top of that, we'll have performances and we'll have small business vendors. So we'll have different booths set up, different vendors from all over the state. Of course, I'm out of state as well. Mm-hmm. So where and when is this event going to be taking place? So this this event will be held um, in downtown Norcross. Shout out to Norcross. I love you guys. The mayor, uh, the parking recreation department, the city manager, uh, the civil department, everyone in, in the city of Norcross. I love you guys. You guys know it's so genuine. So um, we'll be in um, downtown Norcross at um, first we'll start. Oh, sorry. I was like very loud. We'll start at Thrasher Park and then we'll basically run like a big uh, square around the downtown area of Norcross. And we'll do that for 3K. The, the race starts at 10 in the morning. So we'll do the race from 10 to 12. Then starting at 12, we'll have the festival going on. So the festival will probably start honestly around 11. So it'll run from 11 till 3. And from one o'clock to two, um, from one o'clock to about one thirty or two, we're going to have a, a water balloon fight. So basically, we're going to supply everyone with all these balloons, and we're just going to let everyone have like a big water balloon fight and just have some fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool. So, how can someone best find you if they want to have be either get down with your vibe and setting up these events, or uh, be a sponsor or be a vendor uh, at any of your events? So if anyone wants to be a sponsor or vendor, uh, Mike, I, I own an ice cream company also called Freeze Cream. And Freeze Cream actually owns Indie Green. So you guys can um, Google um, Indie Green Festival or Google Carry Your Own Water Walk. You can also go to Eventini, E-V-E-N-T-E-N-Y.com, Eventini.com. Type in um, Indie Green or type in Carry Your Own Water Walk. It should pop right up. You also can go to Race Entry. If you're interested in walking in the race or running in the race, you can go to raceentry.com and um, type in Carry On Water Walk. You should see it pop right up. You should see Freeze Cream. And if you're interested in being a vendor, you're interested in participating, or if you have a nonprofit that you think would be dope and fit the concept, we would love to do- donate money to your nonprofit, help out your 501c3, support your cause. Um, you can email me. Um, at Indie Green Fest, that's I-N-D-I-E-G-R-E-E-N-F-E-S-T dot com. Indie Green Fest, I'm sorry, Indie Green Fest at gmail.com. So I-N-D-I-E-G-R-E-E-N-F-E-S-T at gmail.com. 
or info at freeze cream. Last email, info at freeze cream, I-N-F-O at F-R-E-E-Z-E-C-R-E-A-M, USA.com. All right. Thank you, Doug. It's my pleasure, Anthony. Well, you hear from our three wonderful guests, uh, quite a bit of a theme. Uh, most of the theme revolves around thinking out of the box, not taking the rote memory of book learning, uh, just because someone may have uh, alphabet soup behind their name on their business card, uh, maybe let's say a B- B- MBA, like a business school, but taking a more non-traditional route. So we'll be bringing out three guests back uh, after my long read of my legalist disclosure. But the Big question, since we're going with the theme of thinking out of the box, what was your first experience having running into a business or career situation and thinking, you know what, I'm going to take a different route. Everyone's going route A, I'm going route B because I don't see route A working out for me. So that'll be the question. So for me, this show is sponsored and brought to you by yours truly. Anthony Chen with Lighthouse Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RAA, member FINRA SIPC. RAA is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of RAA. The main office address is at 575 Broad Hollow Road out in Melville, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at uh, 631 465 9090 at my extension 5075 or preferably by email, which is just my full name, Anthony Chen, C H E N at L F N L L C dot com. Now back to our guests. We can start with Dana. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, I would say the turning point was definitely uh, the time that both my business partner and I had downtime in between um, having children and figuring out what we were going to do next in our careers. It was, we know that we can do human resources and recruiting talent acquisition better than what's going on. So we brought the human aspect back to human resources. Great. Uh, on my side, I think that I had lived um, through the corporate world working 18 hours a day. And I said, and also with um, knowing business owners that had small businesses and neat. I saw the need for that, those same tools that I use for in the corporate world uh, to bring it down to the small businesses. So I said, this is it. I'm leaving the corporate world and I am taking the, a, a different approach also to do it online, to do it in the, on the, uh, in the cloud. And that way I can help as many, you know, uh, business owners as I can. So I'm going to guess you don't exactly miss those 18-hour days. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug, you, you share quite passionately of your story. So I, I know it's kind of a cheat uh, question and answer because you kind of shared what, what you took differently. Is there another path uh, that you took differently? Uh, yeah, I would say I would talk about my other venture, which I'm going to make it very short, my ice cream business. When I started that six years ago, I started with twelve grand and traditionally someone would probably say, okay, maybe I need to get an investor or I need to get a business loan to get a brick and mortar or to get a commercial kitchen and to get started getting a food truck or whatever. But I took the unorthodox way. And what did I say? I said, okay, I have 12 grand. I want to set up somewhere. I need a place where people are constantly coming in. Well, we have foot traffic since I can't afford a 
a brick and mortar in Atlanta. What what am I going to do? So I wrote all this down on a paper and I backtracked and said, okay, all of this is leading me to where? Where do I need to go to find this at this price? That's basically after writing all that down, that's what I'm thinking in my head. So what I did was I went to a gas station that I would always go to. This was six years ago. I went to that gas station and said, hey, I want to start an ice cream company. And I think I got a bomb product. Can I come in and demonstrate, like, do a demonstration for you guys? The uh, owner said, "Yeah, come on in. You know, let come on and do a demonstration." When he said that, I started to do research on gas stations. A lot of gas stations, all the products, majority of the products that you see in gas stations are literally independent vendors going inside of that gas station saying, "Hey, I want to sell my product. Can I sell it? You get this percentage. I get that percentage. It's just a profit sharing." So. And when you go into a gas station, you see all that stuff on the shelves, on the counter, all that stuff is a someone's some small business owner in there saying, "Hey, I want to offer these takis or these yeah. this 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 smell good spray," and they go to a hundred stores and do that, you know. So with me, I did that with ice cream. I said I didn't have fifty thousand to to do a store to get the permits to get a um a engineer to do all the plans. I, I didn't have the capital to do that, so I went to the gas station. Did a demonstration, blew them away. From two days after that, I had a kiosk. I had a, a one ice cream cart set up in a gas station. And when gas stations, people always need gas. People are always randomly. Some people walk in the gas station and don't even know what they want. They just walk in and look around like, like what am I going to buy? I want something. And they they don't even know what they want. So when I when I set it up in the gas station, man, the, the response was just incredible. And from that one cart, I opened three other stores. I got a license in Arkansas, so I have a bit uh, like a. It's not a franchise; it's a licensee agreement. So I have that operating in Arkansas. So from that, you know, that's this is what we've created. You know, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Of course. That's our show for today, listeners. We have three great stories. You know about their ordinary stories, how to find them. Until next time, thank you for listening in to Family Business Radio.